0: I think that's right. I mean, there's so much going on. I mean, I, again, like the piece is mostly an assessment, like trying to be a clear eyed and fair assessment of his role in, uh, you know, in the course of the pandemic, which is not blinded either by like the liberal infatuation or the conservative, Demonization, right? And, and one of the, one of the big problems that I do point to briefly in the piece is that like once a figure is demonized by the right, right, the left, the left meaning democratic liberals, the resistance, um, right. they uh, you know become more and more infatuated with them, and that makes the the right uh, demonize them more. And so there's basically this endless this like recursive loop um, with certain figures where it doesn't really matter what they do. It's all spectacle. Like, Mueller was the same way. Like, Mueller never really gave any indication. He was completely silent. He never gave any indication that he wanted to, like, stick it to Trump, really. And this guy is, like, I mean, fucking, you know, oversaw the FBI during uh, the height of, like, anti-Muslim paranoia after um, 9-11. He's not a liberal hero, but they attach this whole kind of, fantasy to him and then because they did that the right without any new information new evidence he was silent started to see him as an enemy of Trump and right. the same thing happened with with Fauci you know there was just this kind of I call it in the in the piece like the, the Trump era two step where mm-hmm. the right demonizes somebody so the left um, uh, you know becomes infatuated, infatuated with them and it just is this reinforcing loop um, as far as As far as his culpability, um, yeah, I think it's right that the, the best argument and the only one that's made usually to defend Fauci, like, like, let's just like looking at the facts, like the pandemic response was a fucking disaster. He is perceived, he is understood to be the public facing federal government official who is most associated with the medical, scientific and public health response to the disaster. It was a disaster. More than 400,000 people are dead. Like in a sane democratic culture, we would say this bureaucrat fucked up and we would want his head on a stick. You know, I mean, that's not like, regardless of whether it would be right, you know, in in a normal functioning democracy, that would be what you would expect. Um, the argument against it uh, is that it's all Trump's fault. Trump fucked it all up. Fauci was doing the best that he could. He, he does have this uh, commendable record um, of especially he's lauded f- for his behavior ultimately during the AIDS years. Though he was criticized initially by uh, ACT UP activists and people like that. He ultimately be- befriended people like Larry Kramer and Peter yeah, Staley.
1: Very harshly criticized at first.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, right. They, uh, Larry Kramer famously wrote a open letter. I think it was published in the, um, what was it? it was was probably the village voice or something like that, where he called him a murderer. You know, he said, I, I, you know, I called you an idiot and now I'm calling you a murderer. Um, but ultimately because Fauci made these decisions where he brought the activists into the room and they had these conversations about, um, You know, how the basically making the drug trials open to more people who are suffering uh, from the virus. He's he had this good reputation coming into this crisis and um, understood to be this kind of champion of science and blah, blah, blah. Nonetheless, the argument is that Fauci tried his best and in every way in which the response went poorly, it was Trump's fault. Um, The argument that I make in the piece is basically like, if Fauci only blameless, if he was completely powerless to right. stop the administration um, from pursuing its disastrous and obviously stupid plans. But if he was powerless, right, if he couldn't have affected the outcomes, then he should have resigned. Then he should have communicated bluntly to the public. This is the truth. This is what's really happening here. And it's a complete disaster. And I can't stop it. You know,
1: yeah, I, I mean, it, it is a weird thing because once you, you start to think about the standard things that are said on, on Fauci's behalf, so like one of them is that uh, he's awesome because he uh, because he's like a bold truth teller, he'll just he'll just say you know, he'll say whatever's true without right. shrinking from it, and another one is, oh, well,
0: <laughs> yeah, I see where you're going with this, you
1: know, <laughs> he didn't say a bunch of things that were true, but that's okay, but that's good, yeah, that's good. You know that that's justifiable because that helped him preserve his influence, and uh, and you know, and, and he would have been driven out of the tree. You know, he couldn't have continued to work behind the scenes if he had not Or uh, in the mask case, uh, that it's it's good because it was like a you know like a noble lie to uh, to preserve uh, the supply of masks for you know right. for medical professionals. And, and similarly, right, there's, there's this, uh, you know, there's this weird tension between he's, he's good uh, because he could, it's good that he wasn't a bold truth teller because he could preserve his influence, you know, behind right. the scenes. And so he could do more good that way. But also you can't blame him for anything because, you know, what could he do? It's not like Trump would listen.
0: Yeah, this is the thing. I mean, I, I do think that most of the defenses of him are internally contradictory. You can't simultaneously uh, say that it's was vital for him to be in the room because he was a voice of truth and facts in a administration that didn't care about those things and say that when we criticize him for, for example, with the mask thing, like lying about their efficacy um, in order to protect some other interest of the public health response um, that then uh, that's okay. Or even worse, I mean, he, declined to really vociferously contradict Trump. And he acknowledges that he did in order to stay in the room. But if his role in the room is to be the voice of truth and reason, who's never afraid to tell the truth, then, um, you know, you're, it's undermining itself, self-undermining the whole, all of the arguments, you know, I mean, in the, in the times, like a couple of weeks ago, after Trump, after Biden took office, or maybe right before Biden took office, but once it was clear, Trump had lost, um, he said, he said, I felt that if I stepped down, that would leave a void. Someone's got to not be afraid to speak the truth, uh, right. speak out the truth. And this was the argument people were making on his behalf. But uh, if he was there to speak the truth and the, the, the argument for the moments in which he didn't speak the truth is that he needed to be there. Anyway, your, yeah, listeners, yeah, yeah, yeah. your listeners are smart enough to understand how this like, is just kind of an endless loop of contradictory arguments.
1: This has been a free public preview of a patron-exclusive episode of Give Them an Argument. To get the rest of this episode and every other patron-exclusive episode, go to patreon.com slash Burgess.